Psalm 18 says this regarding the Lord being our rock. He says, I, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So I almost just have a moment of prayer today for the, uh, the, the hundreds of millions of Muslim people all over North Africa and the Middle East and Bangladesh and Pakistan and India and Indonesia who are now in the midst of Ramadan. We have some have gone out from us to take the gospel to Muslim people. During the Ramadan, they fast from sunrise to sunset, supposedly don't even drink water, and they do this for a whole month. They'll do it from last Tuesday, the 13th of April, until May the 12th, which is, uh, anyway, coming up. It's going to be a month. And uh, just that God would speak to hearts during Ramadan and show them the beauty of Christ and show them that salvation is a gift. It's not something you, you earn. They're, they're in the process of earning the favor of Allah by doing this. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the glory of the cross and the gift of salvation by faith alone through the work of Jesus alone, the shed blood of the cross. And uh, we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that today we think of many devout and uh, kind Muslim people who will be fasting all day till sun down to earn the favor of Allah. And I thank you that that favor has already been earned for all who have come to you, the only God, by the work of the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away our sins. So bless them, I pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, I'm going to begin a series uh, on on kind of a trajectory of where our church is going to be going uh, in the next years. We, uh, we're working on some long-range plan. COVID hit. We kind of put things on hold. But, but I'm going to be talking through a, a new mission, excuse me, an updated mission statement, updated mission statement that the elders adopted and we want to bring to you. And I'll be walking through this the next three weeks as we think about uh, 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 this mission statement. The mission statement we've been living under for years is equipping people to pursue Jesus passionately to impact the culture. Now, I like that statement. I really do. I, I, I wrote it, so I like it, you know, and um, it's, it's a good statement. It's, we, we are biblically based. We believed in Reform, our Reformation heritage. We, we love the solas of the Reformation. We love the, the Word of God. So we're not moving from that. Yesterday I was here doing a wedding and our senior high director was here and he was working on his Sunday school lesson. He said, I'm so excited. Tomorrow I'm going to teach our senior high students about the Passover from Exodus 12 and how the Passover where the Lord passed over the children of Israel and judged the people of Egypt is a prefiguration of what Jesus would do on the cross for our sins and how it's tied into Hebrews 9. And I thought, praise God, that's not the standard fare for most high school Sunday schools, that we, we want to be strong in the Lord. But the one reason I like the new mission statement, the updated mission statement, is, is that it gets more into the nitty-gritty of life. So let me show it to you. It's this. It is helping broken people treasure Jesus. We thought we needed to have something that's a little, little shorter, a little more concise, helping broken people treasure Jesus. And so today I'm going to speak on the concept of helping 
My thesis statement is we are called into a community of friendship and mutual support by the gospel of grace. Friendship, mutual support. In Galatians chapter 1, the apostle Paul says this, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So he gave himself for us the forgiveness of sins in order to deliver us from the present evil age. So that the question is, as you look at that verse, is what happens in us to deliver us ongoing, in an ongoing fashion, from the present evil age? And here's the answer. Galatians 2 and verse 14. Paul and Peter have this confrontation in the book of Galatians, but this is what he says. Paul says, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, that's it. To be delivered, we have to continuously be in step with the truth and the glory and the goodness of the gospel. We've got to be gospel-saturated, gospel-driven people who apply that to our lives. And, And we do that in part by coming alongside others, walking with them, helping them, helping people, walking with them and repeatedly affirming that Jesus is a willing, forgiving, receiving Savior. So we walk with people. Um, 1863, the Diocese of Paris wanted to send a team of people out to the Sandwich Islands that had never been evangelized, um, a backwater forgotten place that eventually became Hawaii. And say one of the people that was a late last-minute add-on was a man who became known as Father Damien. So they go to the Sandwich Islands in 1863. They labor there for 10 years, and then they hear about a leper colony on the island of Macau. Uh, Makala, excuse me, Makala. Anyway, they, so Father Damien volunteers to go to this leper colony, realizing that once you go in that era, and once you go to a leper colony, you do not come back. Because they thought that leprosy was highly contagious. We know that. It's not the case now. But it was kind of the COVID-19. You go there, you don't come back. And so Father Damien volunteered to go there knowing he would never come back. That heard reports that the people lived in caves and forgotten and abandoned. He wrote letters raising money. He built multiple houses for people. Oversaw some education for children. Was uh, just wonderful use. He was there for five years. After being there for five years, one day he's drinking tea, and he's got on sandals. It's Hawaii. And as he's drinking tea, he drops the tea on his foot, his right foot, and he feels nothing. And Father Damien realizes that leprosy, his nerve endings are, are gone, that he says he realized that he had leprosy. And he looked to the people around him and he said, I've formally addressed you as a priest. Now I'm going to address you as a priest and a fellow sufferer. And he died five years later. Now, a wonderful man story. You can never say that. You can never say, I am addressing you as this, but I'm not a sufferer. We are all sinners. We are all people who deal with suffering, pain, 
hardship, and brokenness in a fallen world. We are all in this together. And so we, 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 we come alongside people, and we walk with them. We help people. Galatians chapter 6 will be my text today, verses 1 and 2. that says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, my, my eyes are drawn to bear one another's burdens, which means to walk beside them, to carry a heavy load, bear another's burdens, thus fulfilling the law of Christ. The, 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 the church was convulsed in Galatia with the, with the problems with the law. There's a group of people called the Judaizers. They came into these churches and said, it's fine to believe in Jesus, but unless you are circumcised like the Jewish law requires, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And Paul, a Pharisee who believed that with all of his heart before he was converted, riled against them, just riled against them. He said, that's a different gospel. That's the non-gospel. That is a different law. He says, we follow the law of Christ. And so he writes some of the most strident words in all the Bible in Galatians 5 where he says, verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Boom. So, so Paul, Paul says, the law doesn't make you right. It's only the work of Christ. But then he says this, if you bear one another's burdens, you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this love, all men will know you're my disciples. See, Jesus never abrogated or turned over the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. But what he says in essence is, I'm calling you to a higher standard, a more noble standard. He says a Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you look at your brother and call him a fool and speak derisively of him, you have murdered him with your tongue. It's a higher calling. So he says here, bear each other's burdens as believers who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of of Christ. I'm going to give you four points from this text. The first point is this, the horrid reality that sin can trap, seduce, surprise, catch professing Christians. It's a horrid reality. The New City Catechism, question 16, is in the uh, worship guide, and it says this, what is sin? I like this. this. I mean, sin is missing God's mark, missing God's best. 
sin is not conforming to God's standards. All those are good definitions, but I like this definition because it kind of gets deeper into the, the matter. Sin is rejecting or ignoring God and the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him. Not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in, in our death and in the disintegration of all creation. So, so sin is rejecting him, is living without reference to him. It's just floating through life and not ignoring him, not worshiping him. That's sin. And then the Bible says here that there are there it, it leads to a disintegration, not human flourishing. It doesn't lead to wholeness. It leads to destruction. Listen to this. Faithful compassion leans into the suffering of others. Weeping with those who weep, joining in sorrow for the disintegration process, and then when time is right, pointing to the Jesus who gives hope. We will not be manipulated as believers, into embracing what the King of glory has in love forbidden. True compassion always reserves the right to obey the Lord. See, the, the, the problem, the whole problem of what we're facing today, the LGBTQ plus movement, is this disordered love. It's outside of God's parameters of human flourishing. It brings disintegration and heartache and depression and sorrow, and we know that. And so we won't be manipulated by the culture no matter how many movies or shows they have that show us a positive thing because we know it goes against the heart of the Father who loves us. Therefore, we reserve the right to speak against that which is blasphemy against a holy God. But we don't reject people. We love people. We lean into their suffering and their sorrow. Listen, sin never delivers I'm dealing with a family now, outside of the state. This happens time. A man runs off with another woman, leaves his wife and children. And I look at these little kids and, this, and I say, there's going to be heartache after heartache after heartache after heartache for them for years to come. Really, it happens. And it's a sorrowful thing. So, so all are sinners. All of us have burdens. Some are burdened here, some are burdened there. Next year, it'll be like this, like that. All are sinners, all have burdens, all are cared, called to walk in the process of burden-bearing if they name the name of Jesus. So I'm reading the book of Judges now, the Old Testament. The Judges, the story of Judges is the children of Israel abandon God. God brings in a judge and brings them back. And one of the judges that he used to bring them back is a guy named Samson, who is... Um, the strongest man alive, Samson. So Samson had some weaknesses. One of his weaknesses was women. And so we introduce late in his life, we're introduced to a woman named Delilah. And she must have been a looker. She must have been something else. Samson goes in and falls in love with her. And she says, uh, she's, she's, she's in cahoots with the bad guys, the Philistines. They said, we'll give you a thousand pieces of silver if you tell us 
why he's so strong and how we can capture him because we cannot capture the guy. He kills all of us. He lays us out. We, we can't lay a finger on him because he's the strongest man ever. And so she says to Samson, Samson, tell me the source of your strength. How, how can I take your strength? He says, tell you what, if you, if you tie me down with seven undried bowstrings, my, my, my strength is gone. And so he falls asleep in her lap, probably, which is a bad place to be. And he, she ties him down with seven bowstrings. And she says, Samson, arise. The Philistines are upon us. And they came running the house. Samson jumps up, jumps up beats the heck out of them, throws them out of the house and runs off. Comes back the next night to Delilah. And she says, she pouts. I can't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't tell me the truth. How can I, how, how, how is your strength taken away? He says, well, if you tie me with new ropes, can't do anything about it. She falls asleep in her lap, ties him with new ropes. He must have been a very deep sleeper. And uh, Samson, the Philistines are upon us. He jumps up and the Bible says he pulled the ropes up as if they were wax, beat up the bad guys, threw them out of the house. Now, Samson spent way too much time in the gym and not in the library. He wasn't a real bright guy. I mean, it's free. there's a cause and effect here. So she says for a third time, Samson, he says, tell you what, Seven strands of hair, seven locks tied together, strength is gone. Same thing, Philistines come up, throws them out. And, 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 and then he goes back a fourth time. And I, this verse is so, I think it's a humorous verse. Let me just read it to you. Judges 16, 16 says this. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. She just berated him. Finally he said, cut my hair, it's gone. She cut his hair. He was captured. Now, I tell that story because what Samson needed was somebody who'd walk beside him and say, hey, man, I know she's good looking, but she's bad news, and she's manipulating, and she's a liar, and you need to run from her. But he didn't, he didn't have that in his life. He didn't have anybody that stepped, stood beside him and said, Samson, sin doesn't deliver. You've got to think well. He didn't have a friend that walked beside him that helped break the enchantment of evil. See, Galatians 5 talks about the works of, of sin that don't deliver. Listen to this catalog of sin. And you can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, so listen. The works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And he says people that live in this way with an unrepentant spirit will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we look at some of these things, go, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Well, that's not so bad. Listen, God says it's bad. And so people who understand the reality of sin our burden to walk with other people should be. Number two, as we live in the way of the gospel, restoration is a reality. It says here, you who are spiritual should restore him. You should restore him, which means put the bone back in place. One of the it just means to come alongside them, to walk with them. One of the greatest illustrations uh, I know in cinematography comes from a, a movie called uh, 
The Return of the King, the last of the trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, incredible movies. But in, in the story, Frodo has been given the responsibility of carrying the ring and throwing the ring into a volcanic pit and breaking the spell of evil. And this has been a long, arduous journey for a guy, this very unlikely hero, and he has a very unlikely sidekick named Samwise Gamgee. And in the last part of the third movie, they're going up Mount Doom to drop the ring into the volcanic movement lava and to break the spell of evil. And Frodo is physically spent, he's beat up, he's tired, he's been attacked on numerous occasions. He and Sam can't even, can barely move. And Sam looks at Frodo, who is almost incapacitated, and he says this. He, he, says, he says, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it, the ring, but I can carry you. And I thought, that's the cry of a burden bearer. I, I, I can't carry your burden, but I can walk beside you. I can't, I can't carry the burden of marriage going off the rails or difficult children necessarily or poor health, but I can walk with you. I can be your friend, and I can point you to the source of hope whose name is Jesus. I can do that, and we're called to do that. The, th the third thing is the, the, the MO or the pattern of burden bearers. Three things here. Number one, he says, you who are spiritual spiritual. Go and restore him. Point number one, they're spiritual. And you say, well, so obviously that's a special group of people in the church that have been designated by the elders to be spiritual restorers. No. The spiritual are men and women who know Jesus. They're men and women who have a responsibility to bear burdens. You see, spiritual people, for example, Galatians 5, 16, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. He says in verse 18, Galatians 5, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. And then 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. So, 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 in other words... You look at your life and say, I want to be pleasing unto the Lord. I want to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be quick to confess my sin and run to Christ. I am led by the Spirit. I walk with the Spirit. I am infused by the Holy Spirit. You're a spiritual person. All of us are called to be this type of person. They are spiritually minded. Secondly, you restore them with gentleness or humility or meekness or mildness. When a brother is trapped in sin or when a brother or sister is hurting you, you don't go to them and throw epitaphs and say things and posture yourself as being better. You go to them with a broken heart. You go to them with kindness. And thirdly, you keep watch over yourselves. We are quick to say things, and sometimes when I say them, I ask myself, do I mean it? And one of the things we say is, there go I, save for the grace of Christ. And I, sometimes I stop and I say, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? 1 Corinthians 10, be very careful if you think, if you think you're standing because you're about to fall. Verse 12. Do I, do I really understand that? 
Do I walk in gentleness and humility and meekness as I keep watch over myself, lest I too be tempted? We are all one dumb decision away from blowing it. I'm going to add a fourth point. It's not in the worship guide. This involves tenacity. It says this, bear one another's burdens. Read the word bear means to carry a child to full term. (laughs) To carry a child to full term. I've Sometimes we'll see a, a very with child woman in our church, and I say, when's your due date? And they'll say, let's say, they'll say, May the 5th. But I wish it was August the 5th. I love being pregnant. It's great. I love just you know, this big family. I've never, ever met someone who says, I wish I was a pachyderm, and the gestation period was 15 months. No, they said, everybody says, I'm due May 5th, but I'm hoping it's going to come today. Because it's, it's, it's a burden. Bear each other's burdens. Now, at this point, I, I need to confess to you something. That's true. I don't do this very well because burden bearing, walking with sinful or trapped people, hurting people, people that are just down. On their, in life, is messy, is taxing, and it often involves rejection. And I don't like physically taxing relationships. I don't like messiness, and I certainly don't like rejection. And yet God has called us to be burden bearers, to walk with people who are hurting. And that may very likely next week be one of us. When I was reading this, studying this passage, I came across a quote by Martin Luther. Luther died in 1546. Luther was an incredibly pointed, in-your-face kind of guy. He did not suffer fools lightly. I mean, Luther would just lay it out. It's kind of embarrassing to read some of his stuff. But that was more to the point and more germane to their culture than ours used to be. I think we're getting there, unfortunately, now. But anyway, about this passage, Luther said, when you find a brother who is lapsed in sin or hurting, run to him, open your arms wide to him, and embrace him as a mother does a child. That's Luther. And I thought, so should we. You're called, listen, you're called to be burden bearers. Spiritual, do it gently, watch yourselves, and do it tenaciously. Now, the the mindset of a burden bearer, mindset of a burden bearer. Jeremiah chapter 2 in the Old Testament says this, uh, it uh, it says, for my people have committed two errors, He says, be shocked at this. They've committed two errors. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug for themselves broken cisterns or broken wells that can't hold water. In other words, he says, 
They've abandoned the fountain of living waters and gone after things that don't deliver. So, so a, the, a burden bearer's mindset must be this. Number one, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the overflowing fountain of all that is good. I love what Jonathan Edwards says, according to four weeks ago, that, that, God is, that, that God's gifts are the sunbeams, but God is the sun. God's gifts are the streams, but God is the ocean. So I've got to be convinced that knowing the Lord Christ leads to human flourishing and joy and purpose. So whatever people are going through, behold the glory of Christ. Uh, I've, got, I've got to be sold on that. And there's a little statement in the worship guide that says this. It's from a book by C.S. Lewis, this little book. He says, but you and I must be clear there is but one good, and that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him and bad when it turns from him. See that? Everything is good if it looks to him. If it turns from him, it is bad. And he goes on and says in the same book, he says this. This is really good stuff. The false religion of lust is baser than the false religion of mother love or patriotism or art. But lust is less likely to make, be made into a religion. Let me explain that. I think this is profound. That, that the false religion or making an idol of lust, sexual morality, um, is less likely to become a religion because when people are usually involved in, in lust and misbehavior, they do it anonymously. They do it in places where they can't be found out or places where they're not known. But Lewis says... But, but the false religion of mother love can become a religion. Everybody loves, we should love our mothers. Fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Fifth, yeah. So, so there's nothing wrong. We should love mothers. Mother's Day's next month, you know, get ready, big party time. But if mother love or family love, love dedicating these babies, family love surplants our devotion to Jesus then we're not going to be a burden bearer because we're not convinced that Jesus is the ultimate joy. I love my country. And, and yet, patriotism is under the lordship of Christ. We reserve the right to look at any elected official and say, we respect you, we pray for you, but we, out of loyalty to Jesus, disagree with what you're doing. That's just who we are. So, so whenever I say my country, right or wrong, or my country's first, whatever, and it supplants the authority of Jesus, I've made an idol. Art, I don't know why I said art, but anyway, art. If you, if you are more committed to art or whatever, then the Jesus, the same thing happens. So lust will never become made a religion unless you're just some type of way outlandish bohemian. But it's easy to see how mother love or patriotism, other things can be. So I've got to be convinced that Christ is the ultimate and he is good. Secondly, I've got to be convinced that broken cisterns don't hold water. And I've got to realize that the wonder and the glory of Jesus welcomes repentance. Jesus loves repentance. Psalm 51, after David fell into horrendous sin, David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And thirdly, I've got to be convinced 
that the Lord's way is best and leads to human flourishing. And it does. Yeah, it really does. I tell you, I've been around a while. I love to see people, marriages, families, groups who just walked under the banner of Jesus for years and to see how God, through their stumblings and their bumblings, and has blessed and nurtured and carried them along. It is a good thing. I'm telling you, it is so sweet. It leads to human flourishing. Sin leads to horror, sorrow. You're called to be a burden bearer. You're called to enter the lives of people and to love them as you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the, the clarity of this passage. And um, we acknowledge that you are the fountain of all good. We acknowledge that knowing Jesus and walking in obedience to his word leads to human flourishing. And we also acknowledge that there is a darkness called sin that is seductive and enthralling that leads to destruction. Lord, help us all to enter into the messiness and the physically taxing and relationships we could be rejected um, out of obedience to you. Thank you that we walk in the light. So have mercy upon us, Lord. I I would pray you would help us and teach us, teach us, teach us, teach us to help each other treasure Jesus, to glory in the goodness of the gospel, to love our culture, this in, in, in so many ways just in disarray right now, to enter into it and to be people of compassion in Jesus' name.